0: This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Fred Sports 2023, Episode 3. You know, Dr. Rob, I, I'm starting to think like we hit the big time. I, I know we hit the big time tonight. I mean, we've had Joe Moglia here, we've had your brother on, we've had Kyle DeBuse, Big Ten official, on. But tonight we have actually somebody within the Husker Athletic Department and who's, who, who is. In the program, in in the program, and has gotten me to do something I've never done in my entire life. Doug Ewald, the uh, associate executive or the executive associate, what is it? I believe it's uh, executive associate, athletic Athletic director, director. CFO, better known as a bean counter, right? Correct.
1: (laughs) That's you (laughs) had a red the business guy on. I have I Nebraska that, gear on. I think that technically is referred to as the Iron N. I
0: have never in my life worn Husker gear. Ever. Ever? Ever. Wait a
1: second. Ever. Real? No. Because I've, I've even lost a bet to you and worn a Hus- a, a Hawkeye sweatshirt on on TV. I, I,
0: I understand that. Um, I've wore Husker Hounds gear that says Veterans Own because I like my buddy Scotty Strong, but I've never worn just plain... Husker gear. This is the first time it's, ever. It, it's wow. pretty sharp. Yeah, my Iowa fans are going to be all over me because, they, <laughs> you know, I do a radio show in Des Moines every day, right? So I come down here in the morning, I, I host the Iowa Hawkeye Collins show afterwards, and they all think I'm a Husker fan anyway because I live in Omaha. Sure. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not because I grew up in Iowa, and I explain this to like, nope, because I live
1: in Omaha. Friends with Frank Solich, you're y- a huge Husker I, fan.
0: I am pretty good friends with Frank, or used to be. I okay, haven't seen him in a long let's time. Let's go down the list. Okay. So like
1: You've gotten in verbal altercations with Steve Peterson's wife and rest. That's place.
0: a true story. I'll tell you that afterwards because I know friends, you don't want to get into that your one. with your <laughs>
1: friends <laughs> with Coach Solich.
0: Yeah. Good, Jack Stark.
1: It, 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 exactly. I've
0: known Trev for years. so well,
1: He is from Iowa.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, you know why? All great things come out of Iowa. You know who played baseball in the state of Iowa? Doug Ewell. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> a proud Buena Vista, what's a, a beaver. A beaver. Yes.
2: Were you a Buena Vista guy? I was, undergrad. I love it.
0: So, and tonight's like an old, I'm not going to give my exact address, but the, you're like in the neighborhood you grew up in. Absolutely.
2: With. Did yeah. it bring back a lot old of memories? Old, yeah, we're, we're driving down here, I'm telling Rob, hey, we're going to go right by Pius 10th we're going right by my parents, we get to 66, you hang it right down here, you know, four or five blocks, here at my house. You know, I didn't know you went to Pius because, until my boss, Bob Carlisle,
0: is doing some stuff for Pius, and he, he got like this uh, the the this uh, alumni group. He goes, is that our Doug E. Walders? He goes, do, do I know Doug? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. So he, he asked yes. you, and he did not, because Bob's a Pius X guy, too, and he didn't know you went to school Right, there. no. Did yeah. you know any of his brothers or anything like that?
2: Um, I knew the name from that standpoint. Yeah. I think they're a little earlier before me there, but... Uh.
0: Now, my son, who's here, he went to prep. I'm going to ask you, how did you not end up at prep if you went
2: to Pius the tenth? Uh, great question. Um, um, real simple answer. Played a lot of played Keystone Little League. Coach Olson. Uh, my parents moved out of the neighborhood, went to Northwest Omaha, and uh,
1: that was, it was the end yeah, of the he story. Said Coach Olson, and Olson, yeah, Bill Olson. I like, yeah. Yeah. tell you what,
0: yeah. Bill Northwest, Olson is yeah. the salt of the earth.
1: Man. There is not a
0: greater yeah. human being than Bill Olson.
2: Did you play with Greg then? Uh, I was uh, four years ahead of Greg. So when I was leaving, he was just coming in. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know you were that old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: But, but, so, man, what was it
0: like just at, at that time to, to, to learn from – I mean, so you've been around great athletics and great coaches
2: yes. all your life. I mean, that, starting right there in high school, that's, that's a pretty yeah. good one to play for. Well, he's uh, tremendous, um, and even tremendous to this day from that standpoint. And uh, you, you, know, you just walked on that field, and you, just, you knew you were going to win. There was no doubt. You know, you'd play 80 games between spring and summer, you'd win 75.
0: So you went to Northwest then, too, then, right? Yes. So, so did you play any other sports besides baseball? Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, football, basketball, baseball. Senior year, I was the only three-sport winner,
1: letter winner. Really? Yes. See, the stuff you learn on a daily basis, <laughs> Rob. Or Rob. Well, well, I'm not trying to date 81. you, here, but I'm just 81 you graduated. Yes. Okay, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put you in relation to me. I was a 90 grad. So
0: Boy, you're young, too. Just a kid. Yeah. Dude, you got a year on me. I know. I'm an 89 grad. My brother was an 81 grad. So, you know, I, I, I learned this uh, because Rob can't violate any HIPAA rules, and you told me recently that you you had some surgery and Rob's the one that woke you up.
2: Yeah, um, I think Monty put me to sleep and Rob Baraba <laughs> woke me up. So I I'm thankful the guy that woke me up. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the most important that's one. That's The right? most important side, exactly. Well,
1: and I made the joke earlier. A lot of paperwork when people don't wake up. <laughs> yeah. See, and
0: and that doesn't happen to you at all, does it, Rob? People never have. Where you're at, uh, they should be waking up all the time. You're doing knees, hips elbows yeah although shoulders
1: I, mean, I, I will say this i mean when you think about i mean what kind of people have bad knees and bad hips it's people who are maybe a little larger a little overweight some bad arthritis some inflammatory disease those are also the people who have type 2 diabetes and kidney disease and heart disease and so it, I, I got it I, I i earn my paycheck yes you I, do I, I, yes you I, do I, I put in an honest day's work there.
0: I think Doug, over the last probably year and a half, you've earned your paycheck. I bet it's been, has it been just absolutely crazy
2: over the last year, year and a half? It, it has been, uh, absolutely crazy. Um, the good thing is that, uh, um, great boss, great, uh, executive staff, you know, f- over three years experience at the med center and UNO prime. So I understood the inner workings of the university system and, and how to play ball there. And, uh, But it's been, uh, athletics has been just tremendous. It really has. Had
1: you had a background in athletic administration prior to heading down to Lincoln with Trev? Um, Had not. So, you
2: know, supported athletics when I was at UNO. And I had uh, UNO in the med center, Dr. Gold, tremendous uh, boss from that standpoint. But uh, when it came down to it, uh, Trev goes, hey, I don't... You know, people balked when they when he told him who he was going to bring in, and he goes, "Hey, Doug's a business guy. This is a business we're running here. I don't I don't need somebody who's been in athletics for, you know, twenty years."
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting part because I think everybody assumes that you have to be in a certain field. When I transitioned out of full time broadcasting, I went into a field I knew nothing about, but I had a skill set that transferred. Um, how did your relationship? I, I obviously UNO, but you weren't in athletics at UNO. How did that relationship with with
2: Trev start, and, and, and that trust starting to build? Yeah, a great sure? question. Actually, it first started when I was at uh, when I left the state after being tax commissioner for seven years. I went to KPMG, started their state and local practice here in Omaha, and uh, early on, I was at a uh, uh, Baxter Arena was being built. And, uh, Trev was speaking somewhere and I said, okay, afterwards I went up and introduced myself to him. I didn't, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I said, here's my card. You need to call me. And this is why I said, I just, uh, I've seen a number of arenas, PBA and Lincoln. I've seen, uh, um, you know, the old quest center, CHI now, and there's a, you know, you do the suites and there's a donation component. If you lock into a suite for so many years for X dollars and um, there's a donation piece to it, but there's also a uh, um, admission piece of it, which is subject to sales tax. And I said, the last thing I want you to do is build this nice new arena down here. And three years down the road, um, doctor, the Department of Revenue knocks on your door and you got a million dollar assessment. So I said, what we're going to do is we're going to go down and talk to the people that used to report to me. We're going to lay the facts out for them, and they're going to give us a letter and tell us what to do and what's acceptable. So we completely take the audit risk off the table.
0: So how much did you, did that end up working? I mean, did he notice right away, oh, you just probably saved me a lot of money?
2: Yeah, he's. I mean, the potential was there, obviously. And, hey, I did my graduate work at UNO. Um, I did that pro bono. You know, and I can remember some people in the university system back in the day, he said, he told me, hey, they were kicking and screaming that I, that you and I went and talked to the tax commissioner at the time. I said, well, who's better off to talk to him than the prior tax commissioner? You know, I had a connection <laughs> with, the, you know, the obvious <laughs> stuff, you know, I just stated. it. Um, so we went down there, um, got, got our letter and pretty clear, okay, this is a piece is donation. This piece is subject to sales tax. Never an issue. So you were at KPMG. You were also
0: the tax commissioner. Yeah. You were at UP for like 17 years. 17 years. years yeah. That, That's where I grew up. Nobody leaves
2: UP. Oh, no. Bob. Oh, <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, I'm 17 <laughs> years in at 30 years. At 60, I I'm f- f- retire with full benefits and and pension and stuff like that. And I had tremendous mentors uh, down there. And uh, uh, Bernie Gacheski, um, one of them, ran the VP of tax anyway. So Scott's dad. And... Uh, he basically goes, man, I, he goes, pulled me in one day. He goes, man, I can tell you, you're really agonizing over this. And uh, um, you need to really do this. He goes, you will be able to leverage this thing um, for something bigger down the road. And uh, and he was right. He followed my career. And after I got this gig here, he I took him to breakfast one morning. He basically told me, Doug, uh, if I had leveraged my network over the years as well as you have done, I would have been this, instead of working so much, um, I would have been the CEO of UP. Wow. So... Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, so you did you go to the state after UP? Is that where you Correct. went? Yeah. So Man. Governor Heineman called and said, "Hey, I'm looking for the best state and local guy. Your name came up. We need to talk." That would be
0: a hard thing, though, because it's getting outside your comfort zone, right? right? And I think this is where some of those professional lessons come in. Is a lot of us just get really safe inside our comfort zone. So even I
2: was it hard for you to leave UNO and, and Chancellor Gold to go to Nebraska oh, Athletics? Oh yeah, very much so. That was. Uh, you know, when I left UP, I remember the first day on the job at the Department of Revenue, uh, I sat at my desk. And I said, oh, crap, what have I done? <laughs> you know, I said, here, what am, you know, so I just, you know, you start picking it apart and you, you, we did a lot of really good things at the Department of Revenue. But then when I left UNO and the Med Center, it was that was a very difficult discussion with Dr. Gold because utmost respect for the man, just a great um great man to to be around and we had that relationship that hey, if something was going on we'd call each other in the middle of the night if we needed something or I, I didn't want to see him have him see something on the news in the morning that hey one of our uh, units by the med center caught fire everybody's safe you know and it, just to kind of give him a heads up so um great relationship with him to this day and and honestly we're trying to do more at husker athletics with the med center uh, it's funny because the best advice and i i haven't followed
0: it because i've only had like three jobs my entire life uh it was from Danny Nee, former Nebraska basketball coach. We were just sitting around one day, and he goes, "And, and this might be a coach's life." He goes, "You know, you got to switch jobs about every seven years." He goes, "That he goes either switch jobs or switch careers because the honeymoon's over. They're getting sick of you, and they're usually and you're usually getting <laughs> sick of them." So, uh, I've I, 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 I've been lucky. I've been I've worked at some great places, and Rob, you have too. I mean, you've been at the Orthopedic Hospital. How many how many years you've been at the Boy, Orthopedic I've Hospital?
1: Been, that, this is probably the longest single gig i've had i've been there since 2010 so wow it'll be 13 years in may
0: you know if you're out there raising money you need to find out how many former huskers are doctors and just absolutely there's
1: (laughs) a couple a couple there's a couple wonder
0: how many that is because i mean you mentioned monty you mentioned you got matt shaw you got you you've got it there's a number of
1: yeah jud davies and uh dane todd dane todd what is it about fullbacks
2: i don't know good question Huh.
1: Yeah, Kyle Ringenberg. He was a tight end. He's down at the Med Center. He's an anesthesi- anesthesiologist as well.
0: If you weren't a bean counter, what would you what would you what
2: you want to be? Um, actually, I I thought about being an architect. Really? Yeah. So, to this day, I mean, two different sides of the brain working there, honestly, you know, to a certain degree. And you know, even at UP, I took a number of classes to you know, trying to launch that creative side. Yeah. You know, to make sure that that was part of the daily process
0: so this this transitions right into <laughs> Nebraska I mean because you you've got the new uh the new facility going in uh maybe some of the state I mean do you look at that with a critical creative eye and something that you want is in through you, you listen I wanted to be an architect this is this is what I like to say yeah it's
2: it's it's pretty cool you look at it you walk through it and uh you know that's what's what we're challenged with right now is uh with with coach rule coming on there are some things that aren't Far enough down the road that you might not be able, you might be able to alter from that standpoint. Well, what's it going to cost you to alter that? You know, or what's what is his uh, what's his desire based on where he's been from a recovery standpoint and,
1: and some other stuff? So it's it's going to be a pretty darn cool facility when it's done. How much you know when you look at a facility like that? How much from a design or it just I mean, a need standpoint? How much is it of it as a need for just pure recruiting versus? hey, here's what we need for the athletes in terms of actual functional training and facilities and having a, a place to get that done in this day and age versus just right. the, hey, we need something that recruits are going to be wowed by.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a wow factor to that. And I think today, I mean, I've been down, Trev and I have been down on the second floor. I mean, I'm on the third floor north. We go down the second floor for where football's at. And I have, in the last two months, I have never seen that area as activated and launched as in my prior 14 months that I was there from that standpoint. So these guys are, these guys are getting after it. You know, if you asked us today, um, if we'd build the go big again, I think it'd be a 50, 50 deal. Um, cause you think you got to have something, you know, for a certain wow factor, but do you need all of that. And where's that maybe money better off spent from that standpoint. And what I'm getting to ultimately here is, uh, you know, with NIL, um, you know, pay to play, you know, those type of things, honestly.
0: Well, lead just right in. You just <laughs> did the segue for us, Doug. You should be a broadcaster, not, a, not, not an architect. You should have been a broadcaster. I, I mean, the the world's been turned upside down because, you know, Joe Mowgli has been in here. And Joe Mowgli is a former uh, CEO and chairman of the board of TD Ameritrade, uh, former head coach at Coastal Carolina. I'm not asking you to throw the NCAA under the bus. He did. He's like, they ruined this because they didn't put any things in place. From, from a compliance standpoint and these collectives, how hard does it make your compliance people at Nebraska, even your job from right. from where
2: money comes from. Well it's 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 very difficult. And here's why it's difficult because you don't you don't have any control over the collective and what they're doing out there, although you have all the compliance reporting
1: requirements that go with it with the NCAA. So there is a compliance component that the university is required. Absolutely I mean for. because I think that's something that a lot of people you know I, I understand that the N C two A has rules that govern some of this. But I mean, for the most part, they really kind of washed their hands of. Oh yeah, of kind of at least at least the initial run of setting rules for this.
2: Yeah, they they definitely have, and uh, you know we 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 keep asking questions. The NCAA, we've got a couple out there. We got an answer back today. One, you know, Coach Rule, one to make a significant contribution to a couple of the collectives, specifically for um, female athletes, and we're told that him and his wife could not do that. Really? Yes. So, But we're, we're pushing the envelope where we can. We want, we want clarity, you know, because the NCAA has not given us much clarity. So we're giving them very specific fact patterns on what's allowable and, and hope, hopeful that they answer. Uh,
0: he, he wanted to make it towards female athletes. Right. Are there any Title IX worries when it comes to the collectives?
2: That's a, that is a great question. Um, I think that NIL – and I'm going to say this, my, this is looking at the crystal ball, and Trev and I have spoke about this that uh, within two years, it's within the department of, of the athletic department. So you have, you know what's going on, you just run it internally from that standpoint. Now, once it's brought in house, I think that's when Title IX probably kicks in in earnest from that standpoint, just because, you know, how much, how much of your effort is wants to go where. But at the same time, if it's, if it's donors making donations, call it, Where do they want their money to go? Wow, there's a whole bunch of different dynamics. And
1: and I would imagine, I mean, some places it's going to be different because I think I look at a place like Nebraska where volleyball, for instance, has an incredibly strong following. You know, you saw some of the statistics. This is going back kind of not this past season, but the season before where something like, when they got to the Final Four, Nebraska's in the Final Four the previous year in volleyball, I think they said like six of the nine highest NIL-earning athletes at the Final Four for volleyball were Nebraska athletes. Yeah, I think that's right. So it seems like at a school like Nebraska, I don't want to say it makes it easier in terms of that Title IX compliance, but I would think it would be easier than it would be at a lot of other places that might not have – a following like that for a sport like right. volleyball, you
2: know, and with the compliance, we we use open doors, you know, Blake Lawrence and uh, for for reporting and and, and tracking everything, and and because of our uh, that uh, contract we have with them, we are uh, entitled to. He's, he's coming out with it was by the end of January here, and January and July, he's supposed to give all those institutions that uh, that participate that what he calls the little black book, and the little black book is going to be okay. This no no names of institutions, but a running back on average here in this range, you know this region broken down by region, broken down by conference. This is the the going rate, or this is what people have earned. So we're we're anxious to see that.
0: It's interesting because the University of Iowa just signed with Open Doors like three days ago, right? Um, and and I, I, how does that work? Because I was going because I know people. I can go on there and, and and buy a tweet or whatever. So does Open Doors know exactly how much money the collectives are giving to? they are they privy to all that information? I don't know if
2: they're they're privy to the, to what the collectives are doing. I think they're 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 that gathered. I'll say they're the the database we used. Okay, so and so is earning this for doing this from that standpoint. So they're they're just they're just on the athletic side the athlete side saying okay, this is what they're being compensated um, from that standpoint.
0: Now I know you said the collectives and the athletic department really can't have any. Uh, Communication is that the best way to well, put I
2: mean, it. We we talk with them. We know we've got three really good collectives out there right now. Um, Eighteen nineties obviously leading the way right now from that standpoint. They got great backing with the Peds, and then you got the Big Red Collaborative, and then Ralph Kastner was up today. You know he's basically focused on uh, on men's basketball. So um, we we have conversations with them. We can't you know we, we I, I know a player last year that uh, um, Coach Rule was going to take off. You know he's a walk on. To put him on scholarship, and he goes. And, and he goes. And what? Well, what's my nal? He goes. I, I can't do it. Any- I mean, I, I, I've got no direct side. I can't promise you anything of that. But you got to go talk to the folks over at the collective here.
0: See, that makes that's where it becomes difficult. Where it makes more sense to bring everything in house. But if you bring everything in house, don't aren't essentially all your athletes employees at that point? Well, that's
2: that's a great point, and you know, and it, it's funny. There was uh, literally within the last. Two weeks here um, was the, and you'll get a kick out of this, was the 40th anniversary of Senator Ernie Chambers introducing the bill 40 years ago to create to the for Husker football players to be state employees and be paid accordingly. 40 years ago, and this was within the last two to three weeks.
0: And they laughed him off. Yeah, and the,
2: the man was well ahead of his time, obviously. You
0: know, it's funny, my, my neighbor actually, it's funny, I, I know a lot of people don't like Ernie. But uh, and for a lot of different reasons, my neighbor was a uh, was a lobbyist, and he he told me he goes, listen, say what you want about Ernie, the people of Nebraska will never give him the credit he deserves for killing more bad legislation oh, yeah. in the state than you'll ever know. Absolutely, I mean, I
2: I saw it when I was tax commissioner. I got to uh, inter- interact with Ernie when I was tax commissioner, and uh, always very professional. But I'll credit him for killing a lot of really bad bills. Yeah, and a guy that would stay up all hours of night reading what was coming up on the agenda for the next day and i'll say this knew the rules better than any other senator so you know they would filibuster whatever man ernie knew the rules credit to him um and what he was what he stood for
0: do you worry about athletics because being a tax guy do you worry about the tax situation with some of these guys making and girls making a boatload of money
2: i i do and this is uh and Trev and I have talked about this. This is a life skill. Keith Zimmer's area. Um, We are all about that financial literacy. uh, And we want our athletes to understand, okay, this is your responsibility as part of that. Financial literacy, life skills. So we do as much education as we can. Some of the collectives we've I've heard are better than others. You know, you got to sit down and have the conversation with the athlete about okay, you're earning this here from us. Uh, what else are you earning? So it's kind of setting up that almost that agent relationship early on.
1: Can they? Can the university on any level come in and assist the athletes in that regard outside of just pure education? I mean, I I guess I'm looking at it from the standpoint that. There's the compliance side of it, that the university can work the compliance side of it. Can they help with the athletes themselves in terms of, all right, hey, let's take a look at this. You're going to need to, here's, here's the tax liability you're going to be looking
2: at. I think that in the College of Business, I think there's some GAs over there that can give some, some advice. I don't know if they do any tax prep per se. Um, but, or tell them what their options are. Hey, you might want to be able to set it, You might want to think about setting up an IRA. You might want to think about, or, you know,
1: uh, a Roth or, or whatever from the, from those type of things. Just, these, these are your options. They somebody just 1099, right? Oh yeah,
2: exactly. Somebody 1099,
1: 10,000, yeah. 10, $100,000, whatever you, you might want to sock. Yeah, exactly. third of that you, or fourth And plus now with
2: the, the, the uh, um, the Altus money we call it the 5980 money with that with that court case and uh, we're paying the full 5980. If you're on a full to partial scholarship, you're getting the full 5980. So you're getting three thousand dollars a semester um, applied to your account. Um, if you're a full scholarship, you know you're going to get you're going to get a check. And and that's going to go on your ten ninety eight t. <laughs> you know, we didn't get that either when I played. I mean, I talked to Trev today. He goes, you know, I used to get three hundred bucks a month and told to live on. And and uh, when he when Coach Osmer brought it here, that's when he started. He goes, we're actually going to feed you as well. You know, we're sitting down at the trimming ta- training table and that was one of the one of the hooks Trev said we're gonna we're gonna actually feed you. Wow. <laughs> so
0: so do you worry about? Um it, 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 I'm just gonna be a long conversation about NIL because I'm gonna use I'm not asking you to talk about another university, but I will bring up the Florida situation where their quarterback reportedly yeah. uh signed a thirteen million dollar NIL deal, collective says, Oh, we don't have the money, tells him, backs out of a contract, and then he has to you know, basically be let go from his from his letter of intent. I guess my question is, do you worry about if you don't get paid in the middle of the
2: season, the player goes, I'm not gonna play. I didn't get paid. I'm not yeah. going to play. Cause yeah. that's a possibility. No, right? good, good question. There's a, there's a couple things we've talked about with the, the the collectives on that. And a lot of it, you know, the state law is different in each state for what you can and can't do a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough luck situation. I mean, I don't know what was promised, but you know, I don't, you, they, if you don't release him from his scholarship, you know, he's threatened a lawsuit and, and who's, who's liable from that standpoint and what are the damages. But, uh, um, it's, uh, it's it's interesting times from that standpoint, and and to your point, um, I've tried to tell the collectives. I said, "Hey, pay these guys at the end of the month. Make sure they deliver the asset to you." Well, they're paying people at the beginning of the month. I said, "Well, what's the hook?" You know, we I'm kind of a you know what I pay for performance type guy. You know, you do something, I'm gonna I'm gonna compensate you. You know, we had a uh, we had a situation here with the with the one collective that's not there anymore. That we go, we had all these open opens, uh, you know, spots. And I say open spots that, okay, we supposedly an athlete did this or that. There was like 59 at 51 of them. Anyway, we were trying to clean up and we, I believe we got them all cleaned up. But I told our compliance group, I said, if somebody, but then our compliance group heard that, well, the, the athletes didn't get paid. And I said, well, if they didn't get paid, I have less concern that they didn't deliver what they're supposed to deliver if they didn't get paid. So I said, that should be your, you should document that as your backfall.
0: Wow. It's uh, it's crazy. Is this the hardest
2: job you've had? Wow, Um, you know it's it's different. You know the tax commissioner job was hard just because um, it's going for your first trip into government from that standpoint, and you you come from business and you you know I think there was some I'll just say instant credibility there. Here's here's a fun fact for you: only tax commissioner in state in state history to be a CPA. Really? Yes. That doesn't make any sense. None. You know, it should be a minimum <laughs> minimum requirement. It should, it should be a condition of employment for the state tax commissioner, and it should be a condition of employment for the state auditor, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just made the assumption that those guys were, were, were CPAs.
2: Right. So what, the beauty of me going in there, I had 20 years of state and local tax experience, and, and all of a sudden you got to the, the, the attorneys and the policy people, and they go, oh, shit, we can't BS this guy. You know, he knows a couple things. So there was some instant credibility there, but then we, we work through uh, uh, things in a very good way. Then, besides nil, what's
0: the biggest financial worry in college athletics today? Maybe not just Nebraska, but college athletics.
2: You know, I think the, the TV st- You know, the the TV deals from that standpoint. That's the that's a big. Uh, a big deal for us. And, uh, you know, we just, we, we just said, you know, I inked a marketing rights deal. um, After the guys actually on the phone after the game in Dublin, working with Playfly and inked the deal in the parking lot. So that was the one good thing that came out of that trip. So that's the, that's the 15 year, $300 million um, guarantee that we, we got with Playfly.
1: Do you guys, uh, you know, doctor question, is there a worry about another pandemic, a shutdown?
2: Sure. You know, and you, and what's crazy about that now. So with, um, I'm in the process of working through all these assistant coach contracts I'm, I'm, I've got them all done, but two, so we got two assistants and we got mats to get done yet. Um, but we're working through that, but there's new language that goes into all these contracts now, um, because of pandemic, including the marketing rights deal, you know, to, to cover both sides from that perspective. Wow. Wow. Just,
0: there's so much going on out there. That's just, it's absolutely crazy. You bring up the TV deal. Uh, Kevin Warren gets the new TV deal signed for the Big Ten. Uh, it looks like you're going to get a hundred million dollars a year when that comes ab- on board. Uh, when did, were you surprised Kevin Warren stepped away from the Big Ten commissioner and took the the Bears job, or the reports were you
2: know he never got a
0: contract extension from the chancellors and presidents? Did they not want him?
2: You know I don't. I wasn't surprised. You know, he did a phenomenal job at Minnesota. He's from in Chicago there. They need a new stadium. He did that in, for yeah. the Vikings. So there's a lot of things, I think, that aligned for him. What you have to remember with Kevin is that with Ronnie Green's retirement here, he now has there's, – there's no president or university chancellor that has more than one to two years' experience since the time he's been in his – when Kevin's been in his role. They've all turned over, wow. every single one of them. And that's your
0: boss. I mean, you're, you're dealing yeah, with brand new boss. That's
2: that's your boss, and you get somebody in who and it hasn't hasn't been you know in that role for a while or ever. From that standpoint, they probably want to maybe tiptoe a little bit more than run. From that standpoint, and um, you know who who knows.
0: I said this on on my radio show, and I'd like to get your opinion on. It, and that is, I said the Big Ten commissioner is maybe one of the top five most powerful positions in sports. I, I, I went a, NFL commissioner, baseball commissioner. NBA commissioner,
2: SEC and Big Ten commissioner. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm 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 absolutely right there with you. And I know we know that in, in collegiate sports, the the powers in the SEC and the Big Ten, and uh, we know that every day. I need. I would tell our people, you got to show up every day and bring your A game because there are people in the ACC. There's people in the the Big Twelve, the Pac Twelve that want your job. They will they will take a lesser job in the SEC and the Big Ten because they see where things are going. Did you get a
0: heads-up at all before USC and UCLA were, were coming to the Big Ten? Or, I mean, I mean, when I mean a heads-up, a couple weeks, a couple days, a couple hours? What would that look yeah,
2: like? Yeah, that was, for, for me personally, that was probably a week to 10 days, something along those lines. Were anyway. you surprised? Um, a little bit. Not not completely in, in some of the discussions with Trev, with, with, uh, with, uh, with Kevin Warren, with where he was going from that standpoint. So the problem is now – you know, with all the turnover and commissioners, you know, care, you know, he, what, a, you know, there's no secret. Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, from that standpoint, is kind of that West Coast pod, if you will. Um, I don't know, can we get that done now? I don't know. Um, you know, if you look at uh, um, what the Big Twelve did, their commissioner is a solid guy. I mean, I heard he's a he's a smart dude. Um, Pac-12 is struggling a little
0: bit. You, you know, go back to the Big Twelve, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Rob, right. but that that is a cla- classic case of non-sports guy, entertainer guy. Yeah. B- totally different skill set but maybe the right thing the big 12 needed and didn't take him
2: long to get that tv deal done either once he got on board
1: now i was just thinking about when you're talking about people in the big somebody will take a lower level position in the big 10 just to get into the big 10 or just to get into the sec i always had sort of this like half notion so ed stewart and i were were teammates down in lincoln and i always thought okay Someday, Ed's going to become the the next commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he jumps over to USC to take, essentially my understanding is like an associate athletic director's position there. And I think it was like the next month, USC, it, when it became kind of... Yeah, crazy. Yeah, public. And I'm sitting there going like, yeah, Ed's getting Ed's going to the Big Ten. You I, know, so I now now I got the sneaky suspicion someday Ed's going to be the commission commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. Uh, well,
0: may, maybe the jobs the jobs open. Yeah, uh, you can apply. <laughs>
1: um,
0: what does that do? So say nobody else from the the West Coast comes on, and it's just UCLA and USC and and no more additions. People talk about that travel. That's a long yeah. travel. How much more? Ex- I'm sure you started analyzing it. I mean from your from your basketball team, your football teams to. You know everything. You're, that that dynamic
2: changes. You know, just from pre-pandemic levels, our our travel is up like seventeen percent. Really? You know, the average ticket cost has gone from like four fifty to like five ten, something like that. Just in that from from the pandemic itself. So, uh, you know, we're probably in a pretty good spot geographically where we're sitting. You know, from that standpoint, probably doesn't get any better. But you got Rutgers and Maryland if they got to go to. You know, SC and UCLA, I mean, holy cow. I mean, especially volleyball and some of the other stuff here. That's, that's a lot of time out of these student-athletes' uh, um, life from that standpoint when they're doing that.
0: Man, I, I I can't imagine with that because you know when West I couldn't Vir-
1: imagine making five or six figures a year of nil. <laughs> <Yeah>, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the world changed. But there,
0: but though. I think I think if you talk to people at West Virginia when they joined the Big Twelve, it totally changed their their outlook. Yeah. I don't think they like traveling as as much as you think they do. I mean it's it's it, it's that hard wears, on you. that
1: wears on it you. It does. It's a, well because oh, yeah. I I did pro ball in New York. And, I mean, we had games against the 49ers, against Seattle. And they, would, the NFL was smart about it because they'd try and work the schedule where you'd you'd play a game at San Francisco. And then coming back, you'd play the next week's game against the Phoenix Cardinals. And so we would just go from San Fran to Phoenix, stay the week in Phoenix, sure. play the game. And I remember one run, I think we actually went, it was a Calif, I'm, I'm blanking on if it was San Diego or... San Francisco, but we did a game in California. We stayed, then we just flew to Phoenix, stayed a week in Phoenix, played a game there, flew down to Dallas the following week, stayed in Dallas, played against the Cowboys, and then back up. So, I mean, you would do a run like that about once a year, but it was almost like ba- you year about baseball teams that'll go on a yeah. three week road stand. We would do a two or three week road stand like that if we had one of those West Coast teams on our schedule. Wow. The NFL would try to work that because of the travel, that, the coastal travel's brutal. If you've got a team that is out there, and I mean, I, it is. I mean, I'm thinking about what you're talking about with USC and UCLA. Nebraska, that's kind of a, a little bit of a bitch trip from the West Coast. I, what if you're Penn State? A, well, for, well yeah. that's what I'm saying from a sporting event. We're the westernmost team in the Big Ten yeah. currently. Yeah, that's right.
2: Well, and here we've talked about this. We want UCLA, and yes, we want to play them in December in Lincoln. You know, yeah. <laughs> about, you know, or you think about, it. yeah, yeah.
1: that would be fun. <laughs> Although, I mean, anybody else in the Big Ten, any time of year is a good time to go to Pasadena. That's
2: right. Yeah, it, you it, know, there's there's rumblings. I don't know if it happened. I think the Big Ten the Big Ten championship could move to the Rose Bowl eventually. You know, or a rotate or something like that. That's a possibility I've heard.
1: Well, that actually would be kind of
0: fun. I, I think that would keep. Because to me, and this is this is blasphemous to a lot of people's minds, I don't think it is to a lot of Nebraskans because they didn't grow up with the Big Ten. I, I grew up in Iowa, so I, I knew what the Rose Bowl meant to the Big Ten.
1: More it, than the national champ. It, it yeah. did.
0: I, I mean, when, when I was hosting the Iowa Hawkeye-Collins show the year they they were 12-0 going to the Big Ten title game, I had people call the show saying they wanted them to lose to Michigan State <laughs> because they wanted to go to the Rose Bowl instead of college football playoff. And I, I – that, that really was hard for me to register in my mind. I go, do you know what you're saying? But the Rose Bowl meant that so much to people. But I think its luster is falling off just because of the college football playoff and everything. It's not the pack.
1: It's falling off all. The, the, Every the bowl, bowl system. Yeah. The whole. So
0: I, I think if you put the, the, the Big Ten championship game out there, that would be a, a pretty, pretty cool, cool thing. Uh, so I, the possibilities are endless. I'm not going to. I got to be careful how I ask this question because. I'm not asking. I'm not going to ask you if you if there's going to be beer at Memorial Stadium, but I'm going to ask you a financial. There's going to s- be beer. At Memorial <laughs> Stadium? I, will,
1: I have asked Trev this question. He hasn't quite. But answered
0: I want to know thought. the financial side. Has it been the windfall, should we say, uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena that a lot of people thought it was going to be?
2: Well, I would say no, so far, and primarily because. We haven't had concessions adequately staffed. Okay, you know, I cut a went to the city. We cut a deal to hey, we'll take. We only ask for ten ten percent of the the beer sales because um, everything else. Honestly, when I look at what we're paying there, we have a pretty darn good gig at PBA. You know, we don't pay any rent. You know, and they, they you know, and, you know, and <laughs> that's I, a pretty I, good I, deal. Well, I, and I and I know I've got a pretty good feeling what Creighton plays. Okay um so i you start adding things up and then it's like okay i'll if we can sell beer or alcohol there i'll take 10 percent. but i want two years worth of data on all your concessions so that helps me when we go back to negotiate a little bit and in this year's the challenge has been just not having the st- the stands adequately staffed so they've reached out to us we reached out to them because here's the deal this is what happens trev the ad inbox gets the email the next day saying You know, I stood in line for 45 minutes and and, uh, didn't get my popcorn, or I did, I missed half the darn game, you know?
1: Does that change, though, if you change the venue, let's say you're doing the beer sales at Memorial Stadium, does that change in terms of the revenue kept, the revenue that you you don't keep? Oh, yeah,
2: I I think so. Um, You know, one one of the challenges we have right now, or one of the honest questions we need to... Um, ask ourselves. In the past, we'd always have, you know, Premier Catering. It does do we use their alcohol license? Are we to the point, And I think we need to have the audience conversation with the regents. Should the university have its own liquor license, and do all the education, and then for keep the keep the money that goes with it anyway? But obviously, you got the liability that goes with. it. And I think here, I think regardless of whether you have an outside company, uh, concessionaire selling the alcohol or us, we still have the liability either way.
1: See, and that's the thing. I think it's hard to separate from that liability. Right, I agree.
2: Um, beer at baseball this year or not? No. Um, boy, I don't know what I want to say on this one. Um, <laughs> we've tried, and, and it just popped in my head. I thought yeah. I, I didn't know if you there know, was. We've um, the regions keep asking. Um, we could have. We got it. Was approved last year, and uh, I'll just say this. Uh, well, I'm just going to say, it. Haymarket did not want to sell. Really? Yes. Okay.
0: Well, I mean. I'm sure they have their reasons, but beer well, and baseball, go together. I mean, they're I'm, selling at the College World Series now, so I mean, that's well, I-
2: exactly. They're they're selling there. They have the, they have the uh, the, the taps are there. Obviously, um, I'm going to go out a little bit here because I've got a little latitude on this from Trev, but uh, um, it's uh, it's we're not where we want to be over there from that standpoint with with Haymarket.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I could follow up, but I, I won't. I, 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 I I've got a lot of questions. I'm just gonna let it go yeah. because Trev was not. You told Trev you were coming on here. Yeah, yeah, right? I did. He, I, he, yeah, he signed off. <laughs>
1: the uh, I just I, you know, I think the alcohol sales thing. So one of the things I've been kind of one of the people that's sort of been beating that drum a little bit. I'm not saying I'm the, the voice of alcohol, but. We drink a lot of beer on this podcast. We, we do drink a lot of beer on the podcast. You know, last year my my youngest daughter and I ended up going to the the Big Ten wrestling championships at PB. Yeah, and I think if correct me if I'm wrong, that was kind of one of the trial. Rooms it was. It was, the, it was the. It was the
2: launch. Exactly. Um,
1: and just from a crowd control standpoint, it, it was a great setting. The fans liked it. You had fans of. I mean, every team in the Big Ten that's got a wrestling team was there. So you got yeah. the Hawkeye fans sitting next to the the Penn State fans who they hate, and the Penn State fans are sitting next to the Husker fans they hate. And <laughs> then there's the Purdue fans over there that nobody really cares about, despite the fact they got an okay wrestling team. And it, but everybody it got along really well. It was, it looked like it worked.
2: Yeah it it was it was a tremendous um, success. From that standpoint, in fact, so much so that uh, um, the uh, Pinnacle Bank, City of Lincoln, cut us a check for forty thousand dollars that they didn't have to do when it was all said and done. Wow. Um, Tom Tom Lorenz, the the former general manager, but you know, bless his soul, passed away here unexpectedly here. Um, great uh, individual, and I I first started working with Tom when I was tax commissioner when PBA was being built. And so uh, they put that in. And, and, and Travis, you'll you'll appreciate this. The, uh, he sent me a uh, he, he shot me a, a picture that Saturday morning of the first uh, um, alcohol sales there at, at PBA at like uh, 915. and there was a couple alcohol a couple of Iowa fans who bought the, bought the beers. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> Probably Bush light too. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Absolutely. yes.
1: But I mean, that kind of goes back in my mind to the liability thing, is that I mean, almost every study, and tell me if you've seen different different data, but almost pretty much every study that's ever been done that's looked at alcohol incidents at college sporting events, when you're selling it in the facility, you tend to see a decrease in yep, alcohol-related yep. events.
2: L- law enforcement will tell you, and Commissioner Schmoder to uh, former uh, Chief uh, um, Tom Warren said, boy, if you can you have a controlled. You don't have this binge drinking and in, in, that takes place before. You'll have far less incidents if you're selling it at the venue from that standpoint. Um, and, and, and back to the PBA on alcohol for wrestling, the per cap per person is normally average about six bucks a person for concessions. They thought it would double. Exactly, what it we did twelve bucks per person wow. was the per cap y- y-
0: through alcohol. A, I think I think Creighton has been a good model over the last yes, th- tremendous really thirty years or twenty some years of, of selling it. And I think U and O can take a great credit it here too and the Regents took a chance let the Mavs sell ho- beer at hockey, which was crucial yes. for that. Oh, to that's cr-
2: critical. <laughs> Can't imagine going to a beer game, or a hockey game, you know, and, and not having a beer. I guess <laughs> that's a
1: Freudian slip. Yes, right? Exactly, that <laughs> rings off <laughs> the <true>, So, <laughs> so, so true. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a it's a work in progress. I mean, like some things just take time, but I, you're going to see it at Memorial Stadium
2: someday. Yep. You know, right now it's the it's. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm just, I'm, it'll happen eventually. Um, you know, you got to get the infrastructure in place and the the stadium modernization committee that's uh, going on right now and i think that we'll have a an architect or two probably announced actually next week i'd be surprised um if we don't they had three the three finalists and they've had uh, their chance in the in the sun here to to make their presentations anyway down in lincoln so um, i don't serve on that committee so i don't have any inside knowledge but uh um, I think you'll have a, you and then they're going to start, they're going to go and they're going to start making some, some tours to some other uh, facilities to find out, Hey, what can we do? What do we want to do? So my,
0: my only piece of advice is do not uh, tour Soldier Field. Do, don't go look <laughs> at the spaceship and see what they did on their renovation because it, it ruined Soldier Field. And now they're going to build a new stadium. I,
2: I do think that I, I understand. Maybe I think they're going to Notre Dame and I think they're going to Cubs um, because part of this as well, not just the stadium, it is, the infrastructure and what you want to develop around the stadium. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, have you seen what Iowa State's going to do? Yeah. So Iowa State, Rob, you know Iowa State how because you played there. Uh, Marv Siler just Marv Siler's still running. Marv Siler's still running. You, said that, I,
1: <laughs> you played there,
0: oh, son of. a... Uh, so, you, but you know where the stadium sits and where Hilton Coliseum is. Yes. I mean. Really, when college football comes for, for tailgate, it's one of the greatest parking lots ever for tailgate. It's set up perfectly. They're going to build like a side town. It, it's like this whole development of of retail and mixed use yeah. to use in between Hilton Coliseum and, and Jack Tri Stadium.
1: And, and, and that stuff well, you're seems talking kind about. kind of right like now. the model for, right. I mean, sports venues. I mean, when they built, well, now it's Schwab Field. Was it T- yeah. TD Ameritrade? Sh- now Schwab. it's Charles Schwab Field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they built that, I mean, a lot of the design concept around it was to build up that area of downtown Omaha. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I,
0: I guess my only question to that is where do you do that in Lincoln? I, I mean, it's not like that stadium's in a great area. I, I shouldn't say
2: great area, great place to, to expand anywhere. You know, when that stadium was built, you know, this is the 100th anniversary, you know, and it was, it was on part of the since moved, you know, a little bit, but uh, um, you know, there was, it was out there by itself. And then everything is kind of, you know, engulfed around it. So, you know, when I tell the attorneys, hey, we're going to go do some eminent Domain, they just cringe um, <laughs> from, from that standpoint. But uh, I think we're, we're thinking big with respect to, do we need to close some streets around there? Do we need to go try to buy some property? Do we need to, I know the coaches, I mean, football coach, Coach Rule would like to see a, uh, you know, a, a dorm close by just for the, the football players from that standpoint. So this is going to be a blasphemous question. Was there ever thought of let's build a new stadium? We had several people um, recommend there is, that we seriously consider that. Yes, just start over. But that's bla- that, that would be yeah. weird. Oh yeah, that'd w- yeah. be really, really weird. You're right. And then you got to think, well, where am I going to put it? Where do I put that
1: at? The other question I'd have is, what do you do with Memorial Stadium?
0: You demo it, and then the university puts some other academic
2: building there, right? You, end up there with you go, some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you, or you leave a piece there, like they did the old Rosenblatt there. You know, from that standpoint, yeah. to kind of.
1: Have you been to uh, uh, Doak Campbell Stadium, Florida State, before? I have not. It's kind of an interesting structure because the the structure that surrounds the stadium itself are actually administrative. I mean, much like Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, you got North Stadium, South Stadium, you've got the offices. But you've got entire buildings that are used for, that are academic buildings that or en- encompass the entire stadium. I mean, if you go down there, think of like, imagine if Manor Hall and Hamilton Hall, et cetera, were actually part of a memorial stadium. Interesting. It's, it's, it's an interesting concept. Well, and
2: one of the nice things here is we have uh, Kathy Ankerson. So she's the chief academic officer on campus. She's on the memorial stadium committee so that we're uh, addressing the academic concerns? Cause they're honestly, you look at South stadium, there's academic stuff in there and there's a computing and there's some other stuff in there that, okay. To, you know, depending on what you do with South, we gotta, we gotta find space for them somewhere else. So we're making sure that, and is there something on academics can, can when we move into the go big project that can backfill somewhere where life skills, compliance is something like that.
0: What's the biggest need at Memorial stadium? Is it Wi-Fi? Is it, you know, Seats
2: for bigger butts.
0: I I mean, uh, is it just a? (laughs) I could tell you my opinion on that one. Well, it's a.
2: You know, we're we're working right now. This by this next season, the east balcony. And I was up there today with Trev. We were looking around. You know, all the treads are off and everything. They're going to completely take off that and re weatherproof it and put the seat backs in there on the east balcony. Those are some great seats. Um, Wi-Fi. I'm working on it right now, guys. I tell you what, I've got. I had a meeting this week. Uh, we have a, a company called uh, CDGW. They already have a contract with the university. So because of that, I don't need to put an RFP out so we can kind of accelerate the, the process. And what we need them for is the point of sale. My goal eventually is to get there completely cashless in Memorial stadium, even the Hawkers. So they've got mobile devices. These guys carry around You tap a card and go um, from that standpoint. So um, we are a little jammed up in the supply chain with uh, switches and routers for Wi-Fi, but, uh, We'll 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 get there in the next uh, couple of years, two to three years.
0: See, I don't want you as my accountant because cash, cash is king. I like yeah, that, I get like everything done in cash. Gosh,
2: I I understand cash is king, but I, right now I don't know how much is going out the side door without. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. You want to keep it all in house. Like, right. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, biggest biggest problem facing athletics today is it going to be. And what what happens with the Power Five, with the group of five, and, and that whole dynamic? Because I, I, I've always said, the Power Five, they could all just leave it if they want and, and and not be part of the NCAA. I don't think that's a good move because right. you don't want to deal with all the other academic stuff and the stuff that's set yeah, in place. I think, but what's the biggest thing you facing athleticism? Irreg-
2: irregardless of what you think of the NCAA, um, I think there's a, you need to stay. There's some cohesiveness there that that makes sense. And, uh, you know, Trev and I talk all the time about, okay, we don't we don't necessarily need to be first. We just can't afford to be last uh, when you look at what's going on out there in the landscape. So we're, you know, keenly aware of what's going on. Uh, we have a great... Uh, um, partnership with Altius. I mean, I've hired them. They they know what's going on in all the other campuses with NIL from that standpoint. So they have clients, you know, um, that do the same thing they do for us. Now they can tell us what the what's going on, what the best practices are. They, you know, they investigate and they do the state law check and, and that type of stuff or what's out there and available. But what I love about them is they don't reveal, they can't reveal to us, but they tell us what that landscape is. Who's doing, not who's doing what, but what's going on out there from that standpoint. So, you know, it's, you know, is it the fear of the unknown. I don't know. I mean, we're not really, we're not afraid of anything. You know, no. look at the, you look at the bills that are, that are introduced in California, the rev share to the, uh, to the, the employees out there. I know there's some schools that, boy, we just got the, we're going to close up if we got to do that. And, and we figured, well, if it costs us 40 million, it, we'll, we'll figure it out,
1: you know, from asked. How predictable is an IEL going to be going forward now? And, and I say that in the sense of, you look at like every state having different laws that govern it. You just mentioned California and the revenue sharing. Is it something that is predictable, or is this truly going to continue to be a state-by-state basis Mm, in in, in that regard? Because I I look at Nebraska, and I always thought Nebraska was fairly, for a state with this population size, fairly well-positioned from an NIL standpoint. But where do you see it going from here over the next we're we're what, a year and a half eighteen months into this really? Right. It's two seasons, two football seasons. Yeah. But we're really only eighteen total months. It was what, July of twenty July of twenty or July of twenty one. Twenty one, wasn't it? Yeah, July of twenty one that this that it took. Yeah. 15. Yeah, dad, and that's when Trev started July of twenty one. Yeah, so it was July of twenty one when How'd you like
0: to start your first July? Wow. And by the yeah, way, you yeah. can pay players right. now.
1: Well, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, we've really only got a year and a half yeah. under our belt. That's not much time it's, in terms of predictive value, but where's NIL going You know, on, it, on a big picture scale?
2: You know, I think that, uh, like I said, if it eventually comes in house or, you know, or it goes away and you're just in a pay to play type situation, potentially, I think that, uh, um, well, you know, you, you, as a former, you know, student athlete, I'm, my, the thing I struggle with with these athletes is, boy, I, I have my schoolwork, I have my training and conditioning, and I got to play. When do I have time to go do all this other stuff to, you know, earn my NAL money? Do I really want to do that? Am I, what is, what's my, my focus? I guess if I, I carve out time if it's, if it's, if it's worth the financial um, you know, reward obviously. And here's the other thing I struggle with is what I don't set the market. So, who am I to say that that tweet isn't worth, you know, 400 bucks? You know, I don't, I'd make, you know, a bunch of autographs from that standpoint. So, I don't set the market. You know, it seems a little maybe upside down to me if they're, if somebody's doing minimal or doing tweeting and you're getting 10 grand a month and you look at what we do. I said, boy, I could do that for 10 grand a month. You know, so where's that, where, you know, that, that balance? from that standpoint and, and then it starts to detract from, okay, well I'm here to play ball. You know, do you
1: ever, I mean, I know you mentioned that you mentioned that concept of eventually seeing it potentially come back where it's bring it under the umbrella of the school. Um, is that something that you think Nebraska would do, or is that something that you you think would happen maybe more on a national basis? Because it seems like that is something there would need to be some greater national legislation to have that take place or the NC two a would have to come in and right. I would think have to try to reestablish control over this. You know, for I, its members. Right.
2: You know, the biggest advantage I see for having it internal other than understanding what's going on and kind of making sure that the kids are executing on their, their agreements and their contracts is corporations today will get can give money to NIL to write it off as advertising or something. But the individual, me and you, OK, I want to give to a university. Okay, I can take a charitable deduction for that. I mean, if, I, if I'm making it to a for-profit collective, I don't get anything from that. You know, I guess I get a feel good that I'm trying to make the, the university better, the, the sports teams more competitive from that standpoint.
0: Call me crazy, um, but, but and you're always going to have, excuse the term jock snippers, right, who, who are going to give because they want to win no matter what. They want to have the best recruits. But I, I do believe sooner or later business people go, you know, I don't mind giving, but my the value's not there for a $13 million quarterback. Call me crazy, but right. eventually I think although, it all w- although, it levels out.
1: Yeah, although I, mean, I think it will. My my argument against that, though, is I remember when this first started, kind of one of the th- commentaries that I saw consistently was like, well, it's not going to be that big for that exact reason that Travis just mentioned it's what? How much value are these businesses actually getting from a marketing standpoint? And for most of them, people said, "Well, somebody will sign an NIL deal for a year, and it'll be for fifteen hundred bucks a year." Listen, Dakotas
0: Crawford had the best yeah. one. Oh God, by yes, absolutely.
1: No, you know well,
0: and that's no, what we thought NIL was going to be. Right. Yeah,
1: thought it was going to be yeah. like that, or the the old line doing the deal with Muchachos, the the burrito, yeah. right? The food place in Lincoln and it's, which by the way, their food is actually really good, but, um, and I don't have an NIL. Deal. I'm just saying it's <laughs> tasty. They, uh, but I mean, I think that's what people really truly thought this was going to be And a year and a half later. We're talking million dollar deals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean it, it like the reset to this, it's not going to reset to, yeah, you're going to get t-shirts and free burritos. Or you're gonna get a couple of the coldest Crawford style TV ads for for an HVAC company. It's it's you're you don't reset from a million dollars to that. You reset from a million dollars to a quarter of a million, a half, a million, three quarters of a million.
2: And you you have to remember right now, Coach Rule, when when he left college coach coaching, you know, Baylor, NIL wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, from that standpoint. So he comes here now, and I get the feeling he, he hates it. But what he wants is he wants a pool of money, whatever that is. He wants the same thing for everybody. He wants 80% of the pie. Everybody gets like, I don't know, 2500 bucks a month, something like that. Well, and then The and Iowa then, model. And then you've got uh, um, the other 20% is for those key key players for, you know, you, you need to try to get.
0: You know, we haven't asked you about Coach Rule yet, and, uh, uh, you know, How much does he come to you with money questions? I mean, how much? What's your interaction with with the head football coach, and what does that look like? Yeah,
2: it's been. It's, it's, it's been more every week he's been there from that standpoint. And uh, there's stuff he wants to do that you can't do. And, and by that, and here's, here, let me put that in perspective. He was a Temple and he was a Baylor, two private institutions, okay? That, okay, we have state laws with respect to, what do you mean my guys travel up for the day and they, they can't get per diem for lunch? Um, what do you mean we can't fly first class on a, on a commercial? You know Well, you can, but you got to pay the difference. Um so some of those things. So I've worked been working with his uh his chief of staff uh a lot the last two weeks here, Susan uh um Elza, she's gonna be really good. And I said I'm gonna I will allow I'm I'm gonna I'll give you everything I can give you within the rules from that standpoint, but you gotta be my messenger. I'll I'm glad to talk to whoever, but you gotta help me message the coaches of why we can and can't do this from
0: you, that standpoint. I never thought of that from a private school to a yeah. public school. Oh, yeah, thing. that's a, yeah.
2: You know, and, and here I am <laughs> um the other night, and my wife was with me, we were at the, Robin was with me, we were at the uh, MLK, MLK week in, in Lincoln, and we were at the, the celebration on, I think it's on Wednesday night, and, and I had to call Susan, I said, he's got four assistant contracts in his inbox that he needs to su- push the sign, I mean, in DocuSign, from that standpoint, because I got these FOIA requests sitting there, and I keep, they're not done, they're not done, what do you mean they're not done? I said, well, they're not done, you know, so... Uh, we were able to. She helped me push those four along, and we got ran them up the chain. That came to me, came to Trev, and then it came to, to uh, Chancellor Green, and then we were able to get them out to the to the masses the next day. You know,
0: people never understand bureaucracy that takes place. I mean, it just it, it's part of a large organization, right. you know. And it, it and the truth is, big time college athletics is a large, large, large corporation.
1: Exactly. Yeah. How how big it changes this. Having a new coaching hire in terms of dealing with all this red tape. It's I uh, mean because this is the first time since you you and Trev have been on board in Lincoln that we've had. Well, has there been other coaching changes outside of outside of the football team? Yeah, I guess I'm thinking. We we had men's golf, uh,
2: but nothing nothing significant, nothing like this, nothing this size. Yeah, nothing this size. Wow. So it's a, that's a uh, it's a challenge. We are it's and and what's good about this is that uh, and Trev and I talk about this. Hey, he's Matt is going to push us. He's going to challenge us, and he and we're going to have to think a little bit differently about how we help him execute what he wants to execute within the rules. Yeah, I mean it's it's that
0: simple. And you should push him, and and you push. I mean that's a healthy relationship. him healthy. I mean
2: I have professionally pushed back. I said, no coach, we can't do this because of this. And uh, he goes, okay, and I, and, I, and as long as I tell him why, okay, he gets it from that standpoint.
0: I, I just this just popped into my head, boom, epiphany. How much reading of a rule book did you have to do over the last? I, I mean, because. You just don't know this stuff. Did, or did it help being the tax commissioner and all this? I mean, I'm there's, just trying to figure out. You
2: know, there, there's a mindset, I think, that, go, that goes with it from from that standpoint. But you, you lean on your compliance folks. Jamie Vaughn and his area are outstanding down there. And, the, you, you know, you lean on them, what we can and can't do. And there's a little bit, you know, fact-checking from that standpoint. Um, but, I,
1: but I would imagine, to a degree, I mean, you, you, despite being athletics, it, it's still a state institution, it's a huge business in a state institution
0: yeah it's it, a business it, it, within a much larger business
1: exactly but I mean <laughs> I, it, you know It doesn't take at, any taxpayer dollars by the way yeah this I know we've talked yeah about this. <laughs> people forget but that though, people, all people the forget that oh yeah my exactly. dad my dad used to work for the university for years and for well almost shy of forty years so he was director of housing and I said the athletic department and housing were the two <laughs> departments that <laughs> those are the revenue generally, g- generally <laughs> ran in the black. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, he uh, no, but it's uh, I I would like to think coming from UNMC and UNO that I mean it, it's the same set yeah. of rules that you yes. can follow. Yeah. It's just these guys are working within a, a very I'm sure the dollars are larger. Yes,
2: but it's just well, the Med Center is pretty large, yeah. obviously, um, and the dollars are large. And here, hey, we're there to travel. We're there to get stuff done. You know, we if you don't want to get stuff done, you don't need us from that standpoint. So every day, we're 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 about as impatient as you come from from that standpoint of, of trying to push the push the needle and keep stuff going.
0: Well, I tell you what, you guys have done a hell of a job in the first. But uh, coming up on year and a half, which is uh, incredible. Before I let you go, um, and thanks so much for coming in. Uh, I know it's weird to go to some guy's basement, but it doesn't look <laughs> like a basement. I remember when I talked, I said, "Do you want to come to the podcast? Where is it at? In my basement?" You are like, "What? Your basement? It's not your. It's not a normal basement." But uh, uh, how much other collaboration? do you do with other universities? I mean, is there, I mean, everybody thinks of rivalries, and, but, but is there a lot of talk between other CFOs and either yeah, other athletic directors?
2: Great question. And there's, there's kind of, we'd have a, you know, somebody there's a listserv, somebody puts a question out there and, and you, you know, Hey, if you ask the question, you, all the answers come back to you and everybody, you know, you CC everybody on the question. But then if you ask the question, you're the gatekeeper. And when you have everybody's responses, you push that back out to the group from, from that standpoint. Um, and it's, you know, it's all over the board. Well, how are you treating the Alston money, the 5980 money? Uh, what are your, uh, what are the CFO salaries? What are, you know, so they just, you know, from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's pretty good give and take. We went to, and every year it had paused for a couple of years during COVID, but we were able to go to, uh, Columbus, Ohio to Ohio state there for a couple of days in, in June last year. And then they hosted us and it's in the alphabetical order. And I'm going to Penn state this next summer and I'm, I don't know how I'm going to get there yet, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's the challenge to try you know from that standpoint oh, but that's true you know, very a, true and 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 what we've actually did this year we have uh, um, we had extra because of the pandemic we had extra hours with with Silverhawk so what we did um, for the teams that don't fly you know you know on the on the private charter so I was I put I put it out there I said hey if you are a small enough team and you, you know, tell me or tell me what the worst place to travel to is because of the connections and everything else. So we've sent, we've sent bowling. We sent, um, those, uh, the track people that out to, uh, out to Washington who are in the NCAAs. We sent, uh, the tennis team was going to Ohio state and then on to Penn state. Well, Ohio state's fine. You go to Penn state, they only have four courts and then you got to hustle, hope your matches get done, get to the airport and connect commercially to get back. So we said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take you out there and this and, and get back. So you don't have to jack around with this anyway. So we, you know, part of this is, uh, you know, making sure our athletes get back at a, at a, at a reasonable time. And especially we had extra hours and they were just honestly is static to, uh, to be able to fly on that, uh, that private charter anyway. And, in you know, first class, basically. Hey, hey,
0: Anytime you fly on a private charter is yeah. a good day. really yeah. is. Really you know?
2: it, fly private, change your life. I yeah. promise you that. We've got great donors. Um, I mean, geez, uh, Justin Hernandez down in Lincoln is concerned. He gave us his jet for pretty much all of December. And now Matt had to fly last week. He goes, well, where's the other jet? I like Justin's, you know, from that
1: standpoint. <laughs> so you, <laughs> Rob, what are you going <laughs> to donate your jet? It's
2: a helicopter. It's a hel. Oh, you oh, went with hey, a helicopter. Hey, hey. I don't know. Funny a story on the helicopter. Um, Matt sent Trevor a little picture today. It was out there with Kirby Smart was coming in on his helicopter to recruit somebody, flying in on the copter down next to the high school. <laughs>
1: That's SEC, a bit money. Yeah, SEC. Man.
2: Exactly. But uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, um, boy. I'm really you know excited to work for Trevor. I'll just say this: we have weekly discussions that uh, um, this is not about us. This is about um, how we leave this place when we're done, um, and uh, for the student athletes. So it's it's a it's a pleasure to do that. The um, the, the state should have a lot of confidence in in Trev. We're 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 on a good path here.
0: Excellent. You can always well, you can always tell Trev he can come to the basement.
2: Yeah, exactly. Tell, I'll, tell I'll, Coach I'll, Rule if he wants uh, to come hey, to the basement. I'll I'll, I'll try to get him here. I I'm, they I'm, I guarantee you. They
0: You've need seen, to, they need to come to the big city every now and then, right?
2: Yeah. You've seen Coach Rule. I mean Ed Foley. Holy cow! He that dude's in every diner across the state. You cannot. I was going to
1: say, I'm, I'm amazed. You can't keep up with the guy. I know. It's just. But it that's is, what you is. want. Oh, that's it's what you fun. want. It's fun, though. These guys are working oh, hard. I, I do want to be that. in
2: every, I want to go to every county. I said, Coach, you know there's 93. He goes, I don't care. I want to go to all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good stuff. Doug Ewald from the University of Nebraska Athletic Department. Thanks so much, Doug. Uh, Dr. Robin i got good news for you. Brian Bennett has told me the the Betfred Sportsbook is now open in Las Vegas. I saw. They're going to be taking bets for the Super Bowl, which is really, really cool. So if you ever go down to Las Vegas, uh, check out the Virgin Hotel. Um, That's the one owned by Richard Branson, pretty famous rich dude. (laughs) Um, And the Betfred Sportsbook is open now in Las Vegas. For Dr. Rob Zaniska, Doug Ewald, I'm Travis Justice. We'll talk to you next time on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports.